Coming from Baltimore, Maryland, I'm Anthony. I'm Cece. And you're listening to Lit Pop Bang. everyone we're very happy to have you here we're actually at the end of january but you all will be hearing this in february the love month i guess also black history month yeah uh, i digress right I don't, <laughs> I don't, anyway and it, we have four wonderful guests here for you today we have terry cross davis we have hayes davis we have nate brown and we have thea brown here with us today we're going to go around and do bios in just a second but we're very excited to have all these lovely people here welcome you guys we're really happy to have you oh, thank, hey, you. thank you yeah <laughs> people people are also sipping on a on a magical drink. I'm yeah. just gonna I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> we do our best to have that at most episodes. Yeah. We've we've had a the few episodes drink. where we've not been able to have magical drinks, but That's we true. do our best, yeah. We do. Nice. The magic is always around. Yeah. <laughs> and listeners, in case you couldn't tell from the last names, these are two literary couples. So that's sort of aligning with the February thing, right? So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. We want you to consider each of these people as individual artists, but also we're gonna talk about what it means to be in a couple where both people are writers, both people are educators. Um, I'm going to start with the first introduction, and I'm really excited to introduce Hayes Davis. Um, his first volume, Let Our Eyes Linger, was published by Poetry Mutual Press. His work had appeared in the New England Review, Poetry Lore, Auburn Ave, uh, Gargoyle, Beltway Poetry Quarterly, Delaware Poetry Review, Kinsfolk, Fletching Rag, and several anthologies. He holds a Master of Fine Arts from the University of Maryland, where he won the Academy of American Poets Prize. He's a member of Kaveh Kahnem's first cohort of fellows, a former Breadloaf working scholar, a former Geraldine Miles poet scholar at the Squaw Valley Community of Writers. He's also attended Writers Retreat to the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts, Manhattanville College, and Soul Mountain. He has appeared on the Kojo Namdi show on WAMU 88.5 in Washington, D.C. at the Hayes Festival in Kells and Kells, Ireland. He was nominated for a Pushcart Prize in 2016, and he teaches high school English in Washington, D.C. He lives in Silver Spring with his wife, Terry, and their children, who, by the way, just outside of the frame here, uh, are with us. Indeed. Yay. Welcome, Hayes Being Davis. super silent. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> great. And so I am introducing his lovely wife, Terry Ellen Cross Davis. I didn't say the Ellen earlier. Tell, Terry Ellen Cross Davis is the author of Haint um, from Javal Press, the winner of the 2017 Ohioana Book Award for Poetry. She is a Cave Conum Fellow and has attended Virginia Center for the Creative Arts, Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown, and Hedgebrook. Woo! She's a member of the Black Ladies Brunch Collective, as am I. Her work has been published in many anthologies, including Bum Rush the Page, A Deaf Poetry Jam, The Golden Shovel Anthology, Fantastic, um, Not Without Our Laughter, Poems of Joy, Humor, and Sexuality, and The Breakbeats Poet, Volume 2, Black Girl Magic. Her work can be read in many anthologies and online, Beltway Poetry Quarterly, Gargoyle, uh, Harvard Review, Little Patuxent Review, North American Review, I could go on and on, <laughs> Tin House and many more. She is the poetry coordinator for the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C., and she lives in Maryland with her husband, poet Hayes Davis, and their two children. Welcome, Terry. Uh, thank you. Happy to be here. And I didn't know you were in the new Breakbeat anthology. That's really exciting. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah, I was excited to have a little poem sneak in there. Yeah. She's been business, man. Yeah, that's been on my <laughs> shelf for forever because I'm doing dissertation right now. I'm working on comps, and so like I haven't been able to read what I want in a very long time. <laughs> and so I cannot wait to break into that. It's, it's I'm really looking forward Is to it. Is it bad to say that? You, you haven't been able to read what you want? Can you say that? I mean, that's the truth of a PhD. Okay. That's oh, exactly okay. the truth of a PhD. I, I, right? I'm just, I'm just you get to like, read a mountain of stuff you need to. I mean, it's good stuff, right? It's in it's in <laughs> poetry and it's in uh, like queer lit, right? right. But 
uh, it's not recreational reading. And not all of your yeah. choosing, for sure. Yeah, That's, yeah. That is for sure. Yeah, I was just reading the homoerotics of Orientalism when y'all arrived. Hey, so, I mean, yeah. Hey. yeah, not great. Okay. Sounds anyway. like the life of an English teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With exactly. kids, you yeah. don't get to read what you want yeah. to read. Yeah, maybe occasionally you slip it in, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, and then we also have today Nate Brown. Uh, Nate Brown is a Baltimore-based fiction writer and editor whose stories and essays have appeared in the Iowa Review, the Mississippi Review, Five Chapters, and the LA Review of Books, Publishers Weekly, Lit Hub, and Barrel House. He's received scholarships and fellowships from the Wisconsin Institute for Creative Writing, the Vermont Studio Center, the U-Cross Foundation, the Kimmel Harding Nelson Center for the Arts, the Breadloaf Writers Conference, and the Maryland State Arts Council. He's the managing editor of the Austin-based literary journal American Short Fiction. He also teaches creative writing at Stevenson University, Johns Hopkins University, and the George Washington University in D.C. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay. <laughs> Nate's like, thanks. Yeah. You, said, you said everything right there. I've got, exactly. I've got nothing left. <laughs> Correct. There's more. Right. I'm going to talk about your lovely oh, that's life. Right. I, I'm a, yeah. Yes, there is more. There is well, more. I'm at Georgetown this semester, too. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. That's because, exciting. Because adjuncting is really lucrative. It's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we could talk about that later. Yeah. Right. Word. How many faculty IDs do you have? Oh, I, it's great though. I have five faculty IDs. I, I can get discounts on all kinds of chain restaurants, <laughs> right? And this is movie amazing. theaters. Movie theater. Theater. Which one do you need? Does, I'm like, does this one work? Right. <laughs> can you buy us all tickets to all of the Oscar-nominated movies? Ooh. I can try. Yeah. There, I would love that. I need to see Green Book. Anyway, I digress. Um, I'm going to be introducing your fantastic wife. Thea Brown is a graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop, where she was a Truman Capote Fellow. She is the author of the chapbook "We Are Fantastic" by Petrie Press, 2013. And the full-length collection, collections Think of the Danger and Famous Times, which is brand new, Slope Editions 2019. Recent or forthcoming poems can be found in Lit Hub, Vinyl, Tupelo Quarterly, Conjunctions, Oversound, and elsewhere. Uh, many, many places. She lives in Baltimore, where she was the 2016-2017 Tickner Fellow at the Gilman School and a 2016 Ruby's Artist Project Grant Awardee and the recipient of a 2017 U-Cross Foundation Fellowship. Hello and welcome, Thea. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I guess they're dabbing across the table each other. That's they great. are. Yeah, <laughs> great video of great community of mutual respect. It's beautiful. Exactly. They're they're hooking Dab- up. Dapping, because dabbing is dead. Dabbing. Oh, right, right, right. I did that earlier. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, we should. Dab, dabbing, Georgetown. not dabbing. <laughs> I, I want someone who, who knows the distinction between the two to imagine everyone dabbing across the table. <laughs> dabbing, not dabbing. Right? They were exactly. dabbing across the table. Maybe, uh, are we going to put a link to that, dabbing and we dabbing? We should. We should. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's a video. It's an important distinction. I'm it sure is. there's a YouTube video that's an explainer for that. Dabbing yeah. and dabbing. I I, so what we also always ask is, those are like those are your government bios, right? Those are the bios that are government out there for grants. Yeah, for grants and in magazines, right? But what's something that's not in there? What's something about each of you that's not in those bios that, that listeners might want to know? And why don't we start with Terry? <laughs> My name is Terry Ellen Cross-Apes, and I'm a Scorpio. Ooh, Scorpio, great. Okay. Oh, that's what, she, that's what she wants people you, to know about. Do you know your whole chart, your, your moon and stuff? I don't. No, me neither. I've read it at some point, but it never stuck. Mm-hmm. But just the whole Scorpio thing stuck. Yeah, yeah. Those things are memorable. We, yeah. we, there's like a cultural norm around knowing the, the traits, right? Yes. Yeah, totally, totally. I'm from Philly, and even though I've lived in the D.C. area now longer than I lived in Philly before I left, the sight of the Philadelphia skyline still just fills my heart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what? They also, going into Philly, you get to see a Philly skyline, right? Yeah. This is one of the things that, I I love Baltimore. I ride for Baltimore all the time. 
you don't get to roll up to Baltimore and see a beautiful skyline, right? That's true. The first thing you see is that trash incinerator plant. Oh, like, yeah. that's the yeah, yeah, Coming yeah, yeah, in yeah. from the south, heading north, that's the first thing you see when you come into Baltimore. It does say Baltimore on it, though. Yeah, it does. Nice. It does. Yeah. You don't, actually, yeah. don't yeah. actually know it's a trash Yeah, like, oh, it's a cloud yeah. factory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know whose incinerator it is. It's wait, Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> wait, I have a question for Hayes, though. Hayes, yes. do you ride for all, like, Philadelphia sports teams? All. 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 Yeah, no, no Maryland. You don't root Maryland. I mean, yeah, I went to Maryland, so right, so okay. Terps, yeah. right? Right, okay, but, Terps, but, but, I, but everything yeah. professional. Oh yeah, you know, okay. I'm 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 boycotting the NFL, but I still yeah. roll hard for the Eagles. I watch right. the Super Bowl on my phone, watch the score on my phone. Right, <laughs> right, right. Watch right. the game right. after right. after they won. I watch the game. Right? I don't give anybody advertising money. Sixers, yeah. they have uh, trusted the process. Iverson, all that. We were dating. I have an Iverson jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay, okay, yeah. All of the history. But I have to say, Cleveland fan by marriage. Yep. Oh, here we go. Uh, okay, these are, these are too many love. things outside your body. <laughs> Moving on to Nate and Thea, would you like to tell us one or two things that are outside of your bio that you want to share with the Lip Pop Bang listeners? Yeah, I can go first. This is sort of about both of us, but we both have the same last name. Like, I didn't change my name when we got oh, married. Oh, that we, is super yeah. neat. We met in a creative writing class in undergrad when we were sophomores, and we would sit sort of on the on the corner of a table next to each other, and we would talk to each other all class, and our instructor was this wonderful fiction writer named Rob Wrench, who's now in Oklahoma. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he would, to get us to stop talking, he would look over at us and go, hey, like, what's going on over there in Cleveland? And say, <laughs> what? And he would say, because you're the Browns. And I think uh, about yeah. that. Not a good joke. Wow. Rob is wow. a great writer, wow. but that is not a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, I have an aunt who very respectfully, whenever she sends us mail, which she does fairly frequently, she addresses it to brown hyphen brown. Which oh, I think brown. is very respectful. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, we've known people for years who somehow didn't know this, and then it comes up, and they're like, yeah. wait, are you, are you are you joking? I said, no. Like, no, <laughs> no, I remember you guys told me that, because I asked, I was like, oh, and you guys were like, no, our last names are respectively brown and brown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's important to get out of the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's much people don't know, because I talk so much. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was going to... Jeff gonna, Leopard? Oh, well, maybe, <laughs> sure. Um, I've been working... This, this on the table. No, this is true. I'll, I'll go to Def Leppard. Um, I've been trying to work my way through music that I remember from, from being younger, but th- I'm like 10 months older than Thea, but generationally our music is completely mm, different. Because she's the oldest of two, but I'm the youngest of six. Right. So I inherited mm. all of their yes. tapes and stuff. Yes. And you're the youngest so, of your set of cousins, too. Uh, so yeah, like so I had... I was listening to, like, Dinosaur Jr. and, like, a lot of, like, 80s music and new wave stuff when she was listening to I don't even like not that more like things 90s that were, yeah like 90s that. punk rock yeah. and, oh, and yeah. alternative stuff yeah. and emo that I somehow missed it was of my generation but I was listening to stuff that was a bit too old for me yeah. which I've been recently re-listening to <laughs> in the car usually when Thea's not there because she can't really handle Def Leppard's hysteria yeah. Thea, were you into, uh, like, Screamo in the early Yeah, a little early bit. Off? Like, yeah. that mid-90s, early emo stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. a devout Promise Ring fan. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hot Water Music. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of feelings around all that stuff. <laughs> all right, cool. cool. So, uh, I think we're going to start with just asking everyone sort of what you're working on. I know yeah. we have a new book out. Okay. Everyone's sort of working on different projects. So, why don't we just yeah. go around and just talk a bit about that? What What's going on with you right now? What are you promoting or writing or you know, conceptualizing right now? 
Yeah, well, Terry. I yeah. know. I know. We could maybe start with Terry. Terry was saying that she's been working on poems, uh, talking about uh, foundational. Uh, institutional documents of America. So I'd like to, I mean, you can elaborate on that or talk about anything else you're working on. Well, I was rereading the Constitution last summer. And um, and so I've, I've, and then at the same time, I was also transcribing oral interviews with my 94-year-old grandmother oh. and my 89-year-old great-aunt. And wow. so automatically those things begin to talk in my head. Hmm. And so there are poems about that. And then there are also poems about... Um, I was rereading the Declaration of Independence for uh, an event I did at work, and it came. It made its way into the revision process for a poem I have called "This Poem Suggests Revolution," um, because I'm kind of done. Um, and and so <laughs> I mean, 45. I'm gonna make it done. <laughs> That's why we have the special drinks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the magical, the, mad, the magical, magical drinks. Sorry, 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 wrong adjective. Yeah. But um, yeah. So those things are happening, and then also um, again looking back over in conversation with another poet, Saeed Agassini, we were talking about we need to support our, we need to celebrate our grandmothers and I had the benefit of knowing my great grandmothers a great uh, great uh, grandfather um, you know and I still have my grandmother I knew my other grandmother my grandfather you know so I've had all these close bonds in, within my family and um, in going back over their history I realized there's a lot about my history as a transplanted southerner that I felt needed to you know could expand into black culture at large and creating these poems about gods and goddesses, making gods and goddesses, elevating them to a different status. Because I've always had a love of mythology um, from Greek and Roman to Norse, Egyptian, and, and so forth. So now it's just all blending in together. And that's what, and then, of course, poems about parenting and race and gender. Um, having, uh, you know, a son and a daughter uh, will do that to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, all these things are coming together. Yeah, that's totally cool. And I think the poems you were talking about, about transcribing grandmothers, Great. I haven't had many of my grandparents uh, weren't alive when I was young. So I think that's a special relationship. And especially you're talking about the like the great migration sort of, you know, yes. that path and talking mm -hmm. about that, I think, is a, a both necessary and, um, I don't know, transformative thing. If you can talk to people of a certain generation, which, you know, many of us don't have the opportunity to. Yeah. So I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah you also mentioned mythology. You've been with... Have you been to it since you were a kid? Like, were you a mythology kid? Yes. Me too. Yes. yes. <laughs> Fourth grade, I fell hard into Greek yeah. mythology. And then I just would spend all my time in the library yeah. and just reading every mythology book I could get a hold of. And then, of course, you go from Greek to Roman, yeah. you know, in my case, or maybe you go from Roman to Greek. And then yeah. and then I was like, okay, well, let's look at Egyptian mythology. And then I was, I, I read um, Norse mythology yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, this that's summer. Good, yeah. Yeah. That's the good stuff. I know. Yeah. And then yeah. it also dovetails with my whole comic book kid thing. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm yeah. I'm a big comic book fan, yeah. and mostly a Marvel girl, but I dabble in DC. Yeah. Um, it should be. Everybody always, <laughs> right. everybody always needs to give that qualifier. I love yeah, that. Right. You're like mostly a Marvel girl, but I have to dab over here. You know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. It's like the Beatles and Elvis, right? Yeah. No one likes mm. both equally. That's, oh, that's interesting. Well, one's a that's boy true. band. So. <laughs> <laughs> and one's a thief. Getting dark in here. So dark true. on the magical dream. <laughs> Speak the truth, Shane. <laughs> Terry, when you're writing about like foundational documents um, that are right down the street from where you work, I mean, yeah. when you're writing, is there some prescience to it because you're in D.C. and work in D.C. and like, does it feel weightier for that, or would it would it feel weighty regardless? It's weird, mm. but it feels more intimate. Mm. Because I was a congressional page, yeah. so I was introduced to the government and the way it works early on. And um, 
And so it's always been a part of my consciousness since 16 on. And so I, and then also, you know, in, in graduate school, studying international affairs, getting to know America from a different point of view, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's woven itself into my consciousness in a lot of levels. And it also made me recognize um, I had to see the good in those documents because I already knew the failings of the men who wrote them. And so trying to weigh those two and then think about our current situation now, all of it, you know, like, so there's just an intimacy there because I can come back to those, to those documents and to that language and see the hope that they had, but also recognize again, you know, how far we've fallen. And does, we've never, I've never asked you this, but does, does working in that proximity to the Capitol and having been a page at the Capitol, does it start to take on an everydayness? Like somebody from who lives in who lives in in Iowa, right, and gets to come to D.C. maybe for their high school trip or on vacation, the capital is going to take on a is going to be majestic for them. But you see it every day, right? And I see it fairly regularly if I come to the Folger. And so it doesn't. I like I'm not like oh it's the capital. It's, oh it's the capital. <laughs> does like does that. I try and reserve a space where I won't let it fall into the everyday. Hmm. Even when yeah. I was paging, when I would run up the steps, and um, and I had to go to school in the Library of Congress in the Jefferson Building, um, and even when I went there, I would try to reserve some space of awe and and and, and kind of joy uh, about it every time. Even seeing where the marble steps had taken a groove from centuries of people walking on them. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, so I try and keep some sort of awe for it, just like I do for, you know, when our lilacs bloom in the backyard. Um, to think of um, You know, I tr- even though they come up every year, Love I try and, and think of them with a new kind of beauty and a new kind of eye every time. So I do try and keep some space of joy and awe in that way. It, it, I don't lose it and lose the kind of connection and the magic that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, working in D.C., anywhere in D.C., you just take so much for granted around you of how, how monumentally enormous things are for a lot of people who visit it. You're just like, ah, this crappy, you know, the crappy offices in the Heart Building, right? Like, <laughs> right. Uh, or like, oh, yeah, tourists crowding up the, the National Mall, right? Like, yeah. and forget, like, some of this is really, like, we're really lucky to be able to, like, you know, catch a reading at the Library of Congress. Like, mm-hmm. that's something that some writers yeah. will never... It's not something just like for us in Baltimore, just hop on the train and do. But for some people, that's huge. Yeah, um, yeah. go yeah. into eight, ten plus museums for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And some the, some of it's good to take for granted. Like yeah, in DC, yeah. you can take for granted that at any time you're within fifty feet of four men named Brad. <laughs> <laughs> so that I don't like to think about. Yes, too much. Yes. Yeah, I think that like. Uh, the overheard in the city sort of thing is a uniquely uh, broy, crappy one. It's the worst. It's yeah. the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Broy, cool. broy, crappy. All right, yeah. moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, 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 moving on to you. I what are you? Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you working on? Hey, when when I can, because teaching English and parenting does not leave that much room for writing. Nice. Um, uh, stuttering. I've stuttered. I mean, it's 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 amazing to me to sit here and not be intimidated by the microphone because from the time I started talking, I have stuttered. Um, and over the years, I have worked. I went through this really amazing program um, that I should give a shout out to. Uh, oh. Ross Barrett uh, runs this place called the Precision Fluency Shaping Program down at um, down in Norfolk at, at a at a medical school down there. Hmm. Um, so I went there in two thousand four or five. Um, so I'm able to be fluent 
in a lot of situations where I wasn't before. So, but I've gone back to try to write about stuttering. Um, there's a couple poems in my first book, Let Our Eyes Linger, um, about stuttering, but I want to write more about it. And I um, started to explore famous people who have stuttered. Um, mm. I'm really interested in uh, James Earl Jones, who was oh, wow. a self-imposed mute from the time he was six wow. until he was 14. Oh, Did not know that. Moved from um, Arkabutla, Mississippi, to Manistee, Michigan, with his extended family. Because um, his mom had moved to the Delta, his dad was in New York, and he would reconnect with his dad, and that's how he got into acting. But in the meantime, he moved with his grandparents um, up to Manistee, Michigan, and was so traumatized by the trip that he mm. did not speak for eight years, mm. um, from wow. six until 14. And then a, a teacher um, made him read a poem out loud. He'd written a poem. Teacher, I, the story he tells in his autobiography um, is that the teacher wanted to make sure that he had written it. And so I'm not sure how reading it out loud was that proof. Or maybe it was that teacher moment where the teacher saw something and knew that he had a voice and wanted him to get that voice out there. <laughs> Literally mm -hmm. had a voice. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Literally <laughs> had one of now the most famous voices <laughs> ever. Yeah. Yeah. And so he started speaking again at 14 and eventually, as we all know, got into acting and you know, the rest as they say. Yeah. Um, so writing about uh, James Earl Jones, continuing to write about um, about parenting, um, going back to my own youth to mine some poems from there, um, in part because, so my father passed um, eight, nine years before our first child was born. And so I did not have access to him for questions about parenting. Mm. And so I've been trying to imagine him as my parent or sort of thinking back to experiences that we had, things that I witnessed that I can think about now from both the perspective that I saw it, but also his perspective. So hopefully that will come out in the second book. Yeah, there's yeah. lots, of, and there are lots of pop, there, there are lots of poets writing fatherhood poems also now in the current spectrum. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. I mean, everybody from Kevin Young to mm -hmm. Douglas Kearney and all these people are, I mean, I think it's really amazing that men are writing parenthood poems. To me, it's just like, I, I mean, it's not new, but it feels a little, yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. Yates wrote about being a grandfather. I mean, there there's the old version, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. what we saw, but I think it's really yeah. great in modern times that we can have men, uh, you know, roll, uh, you know, gender... Yeah, it's fluid. And, you know, yeah. it's really important for men to be writing these poems as well, talking about parenthood and fathering. Yeah, and, yeah. And, F. Douglas you know. Brown is out there, too. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Writing. Yes. I, was, I, was, I was at the park one Sunday morning with, uh, with our daughter Zoe, and she was like one and a half. And I looked around, and I realized that there were five dads there. Mm -hmm. At the park, cool. wow. and it was a kind of a proud moment. Like, yeah, hey, dad's out here with <laughs> our dad. kids on a Sunday morning. Absolutely, <laughs> awesome. yeah. yeah. But yeah. see, I think the thing is that dads, like, I, I remember, um, I had. We had Gary Snyder come to the folder, oh, and yeah. I said, "Okay, you, he had this great poem about changing a diaper on the side of a road, like Arizona or something." And I was like, "Are, oh. we, are we sure that's true? Fiction? Fiction? That? No, Gary Snyder. Just asking. No, no, Gary Snyder's like, no, this is a real thing. Okay, okay, okay. And I asked him to read that poem. I don't, I don't normally ask folks to do this, but I was like, I was really interested. And then I was thinking about Galway Canal. I know, I know, I know, right? And then like, and Galway Canal has his poems after making love, you know? Yeah, And then Fergus and Sunfrix come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haas has some has some stuff on the level of that too yeah anyway sorry I digress <laughs> but it's like but I think there's a different level to the fatherhood poems that we're seeing now oh because I think we're seeing more fathers who were 
integrated into parenting from a nurturing angle yeah. rather than yeah. just like, oh, I'm babysitting my yeah. kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Teaching you know? them baseball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's like, so I, I'm, I'm really keen to see more of these poems or fathers who are more emotionally available. Hmm. to their children yeah. and that. letting that come through yeah, and bleed gorgeous. through in the work. Yeah, Absolutely. you want to write about it, too. Exactly. exactly. Lean, yeah. Leaning into the vulnerability. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. before, I didn't think that, you know, I saw so much of that. You know, it, they were just right. occupying the role of father right. in mm-hmm. the poem, right. mm-hmm. but right. not so right. much interacting. That's in, the point. In, in mm-hmm. so. And that's why I mentioned Kearney, too, because he's talking about his wife's, uh, you know, miscarriage. You yeah, know exactly. What I mean, yeah. that's like, I mean, the heavy stuff. That's the vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, leaning into that. Yeah, I agree. And I think just as much as 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 I kind of celebrated that moment of all those dads at the park too, it's it of, of course, right? It shouldn't be something to celebrate. It should be right. something that's right. that's Every automatic, yeah. right? And we need to acknowledge that, right? Because men will sometimes get credit for showing up, <laughs> right? <laughs> when, yeah. So, right. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's true. <laughs> very, very, very true. Let's shift over to to Nate. Nate, what are you working on right now? I have. This is the. This has been the answer for ten years. Um, I, um, Don't say that. No, no, it's actually true. I, I graduated. Um, yeah, he knows. He knows. No, no, no. Um, I graduated from uh, graduate school, University of Wisconsin in Madison, in two thousand eight, and I had been writing short stories like most. I'd say, yeah, I'd say most fiction writers and MFAs end up with a oh. dissertation that's a, a short stories because yeah. you, you can workshop them easily. Mm. But I started a novel at the end of. I guess it was, yeah, the end of my MFA that I've been working on pretty much since then. It's been fits and starts. But so I had this like trove of stories and I, you know, from the MFA thesis project and I sort of doled those out. For some reason, they all got published, I think, after a million rejections. They all got published in 2013 and 14. So I'm basically out of short stories, which has left the novel. And again, uh, it's been a long road. It's it's also a very long book, but... um, I turned the first 850 pages, the first two sections of it, into my agent just uh, in the, the fall. The first 850. Yeah, it's long. Because I was digesting that slowly. Yeah. The first. It's a really long, it's it's basically a long multi-perspective novel um, oh. about a family. A single mom is, is one section of the book. She has about 350 pages. Then it cuts to her youngest son who's in college and it tracks him through his four years of college. Then it goes to her uh, older son who's in the Marine Corps. The narrative present of the book is 2003-2004. So it's sort of during the Iraq War and one mm-hmm. one son's uh, in Iraq and one son's in Ithaca, New York where, at Cornell, which is where yeah. he and I both went and met. So it's, it's pretty much ripped from my life having two brothers in the Marines when I was in college. And I'd say that has occupied all of my headspace and most of my time for the mm. better part of a decade. Mm. Um, and there are times when I'm, I'm distant from it, where I'm not really working because I'm teaching a lot or, or traveling or doing something else. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to sort of see it come to completion because it's been on my desk for so long, number one. And number two, it sucks up all of the creative energy. It's sort yeah. of, mm-hmm. if, an, if I have an idea for anything, it sort of ends up in the novel, which I think mm-hmm. has made the novel better and sort of hopefully richer and more interesting. Mm-hmm. But at some point, it just needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Right? There's the, mm-hmm. I can't remember who said it, but the, the sort of aphorism that a novel is never finished, it's only ever abandoned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that really is when you hit send in your email, yeah. like to your agent, that's what it feels like. You're like, well, Someone's going to see it, and they're either going to like it or not like it. So, yeah, I'm at the point where he'll either like it and send it out or not like it, and uh, we'll go from there. So kind of a funny and weird spot to be. But it, but 
an exciting one too. Yeah. What kind of emotions thing. attended being a brother of two? Two. I'm assuming they served. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Were both. Both active duty. Both enlisted men. Um, you know. At the time, I thought of it primarily as sort of a vocational problem, like, oh, I went to college. I had the opportunity to go to college, and they, for whatever reason, chose to enlist in the, in the military. I don't think I really saw it in a broader way in terms of class until much later. And that was because I don't think I was quite aware of quite how – and I say this you know, divorced from emotion, but mm. quite how poor my family was mm. until I went to college. Mm. I mean, I hadn't been on an airplane. I'd accepted Cornell's offer of acceptance, but I had never been there. I packed my bags, mm -hmm. got on a plane for mm -hmm. the first time in Fresno. Mm -hmm. FAT yeah. is the airport code. Fresno. FAT. I flew FAT to Pittsburgh, then connected to Ithaca. Got off, got off the plane and was like, was like "Holy shit! There, <laughs> there are trees everywhere. There's weird accents. There's I didn't know anything." And you were a first generation college student. You're the first one in yeah. your family. Yeah, I'm like yeah. wearing flip flops. My winter shoes that I brought were those Birkenstock clogs, <laughs> no which is what I'd always worn in California in the winter. California sometimes jeans and flip flops year round. Year round, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I am. Um, I'm still sort of like this. Um, I mean, I didn't dress appropriately to come here, and it's freezing outside. Yeah. <laughs> I guess old habits die hard. But I really, I learned. I think over the course of that that education, um, you know, both in terms of academics, but particularly in terms of class, that like it was a rare experience to have to be in college. Um, at the same time, I had two siblings who I'd shared a bedroom with growing up. I mean, we were close. Um, yeah. It, it, in a war. It yeah. was totally bizarre. Yeah. And often not as upsetting as you think, in part because it felt very close because of how, how cameras were in everyone's face. And my brothers had email. Mm -hmm. And the war mm -hmm. felt like, mm -hmm. not an entertainment exactly, but it was pretty present. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the chirons on everyone's TVs were always updating about... Chirons! So, yeah. There's a word! There you go. <laughs> so it felt, it felt really present at the same time yeah. they were half a world away with, yeah, you know, yeah. Marine Corps issued M16s in their hands. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could know, like, the major battles of the war at home watching CNN. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, yeah. you could really track it in real time. So yeah. I and I worked at the student newspaper with Thea actually as well. So I would I would run like AP stories in the student paper. I'd just pick them because they were about Iraq. And I felt like somehow and this is weird to admit, but I felt somehow like I was sort of doing something. I was like, yeah. mm. well, I'll, I'll at least inform my campus about what's going on. Mm -hmm. As if it wasn't in all of our faces then, mm. um, regardless. Yeah. In the sections that focus more heavily on the Iraq war, given that you've been working on this for a decade now, I mean, how is your I haven't asked you about this before, but like how did you, obviously the way that you're thinking about what's what has been going on in the Middle East in terms of an American presence there has changed over the last 10 years. Right. Yeah. And has that affected significantly how you're writing? So, about it? I mean, or is it because you're so you're anchored in 2003 and so you're sort of sticking with that? Yeah, it's more the latter. I'm pretty, okay. pretty much stuck in 2003, 2004. And there are some really wonderful books about this. Um, Nathaniel Fix biography, um, One Bullet Away. He was a, a Marine Corps lieutenant, wrote a really wonderful uh, memoir about being serving first in Afghanistan, then in Iraq. Reading that alongside um, other books like Generation Kill or some of the larger oh, wow. books yeah, that came yeah, out. That's a, or Shade yeah. It Black, it's which is a... take on the war, Generation Kill. Oh, absolutely. Um, or Shade It Black by a woman who worked in mortuary affairs who were sort of mm. shunned yeah. by, yeah. Other, by other members of... Not shunned, but... 
avoided, and there's some superstitions about the yeah. people who work in mortuary affairs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a really fraught job, but reading those things about that period, 2003 to about 2005, I have a pretty clear picture of what was happening in a couple of very specific locations, yeah. because yeah. The, the section that's set in a rock itself is only about 50 pages, oh. and I, was, I started writing the book thinking it was a book about a rock, and ultimately what it's about is how a, a small nuclear family sort of atomizes and then attempts to put themselves back together. Mm. Um, It was hard to write. It was hard to work on. This is weird. It was hard to work on during the sort of political salad days of the Obama years because things seemed to be getting better. Mm. And I would return Mm. to this text that was really fraught and about the second Mm. battle of Fallujah, which was Mm. horribly ugly. Um, Mm. And in an odd way, I thought that the sort of optimism of the Obama years would make the book feel less relevant to me. Mm. And, And oddly... Um, having 45 in office now, um, I, I feel m- almost more invested in the book because so much of what happened then has led us to where we are now. Yeah. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that 9-11 and the Iraq and Afghanistan wars have radicalized a lot of Americans, yeah. have made them absolutely, absolutely yes. insane. Yeah. Wow. Yes, um, I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. So, yeah, yeah that's so, our right yeah. note. And yeah. these huge effects on arts and literature in terms of, of what's at the front of everybody's sort of cultural brain in terms of television and sure. movies yeah. and music and writing. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah, um, send a send a secular prayer to my agent. <laughs> <laughs> you better like what Nate said. We'll just threaten him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> Hear that? <laughs> we don't want this out. Right. <laughs> Thea, what are you working on? I'm trying to reorient my brain around working on a project that's sort of been in process for maybe three years now at this point. Um, I've been sort of distracted over the last few years, and it's been a slow process. But I'm working on a manuscript that is made up of a bunch of poems that are all titled after professions. So there's like the gardener and the mayor and the framer. Some of the professions get kind of weird. There's like the dreamer and the interpreter and other things. wherein and all of the poems are set in this imaginary city that has some like fantastical elements to it. Um, I've been thinking a lot over these years, although I would need to think more deeply about it, about ideas of dystopia and utopia and where the division between them is in terms of how we think toward those spaces as a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- feel like there's some kind of connection there um, with the ways in which, especially in America and especially nowadays, um, everybody, not everybody, but people, it's possible for people to live very different kinds of lives from each other um, and for there not to be a ton of overlap. Or if, if there is overlap, it's incidental or maybe vocational or something like that. Um, we have very different ways of living in America and we like to pretend that we don't, which is insane. And that leads to all sorts of problems, obviously, and disagreements, but more uh, importantly, the disagreements, just sort of fundamental misunderstandings of like what's going on in our country. Um, so I'm trying to think about all of those things together. I'm also also thinking about that in terms of um, institutional violence uh, and general sort of public response to it. Um, how, I mean, things are changing, I think, a little bit. I don't know in what direction, but the idea when we have some sort of massive or instance of of institutional violence. I'm thinking particularly about police violence, but other kinds of institutional violence too. Um, There's usually, or traditionally, there's been like a moment of silence that pervades and it's brief and everyone feels like they're being real respectful, right? And then 
and it's always the same. It's the same thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And the way that we're connected to each other through social media amplifies that kind of communications mm. for however long that happens, a day, maybe a week. Um, and then the noise comes right back in and we're sort of left back where we are and we've seen no progress in things like gun control. Um, uh, for one instance or police violence, another, it feels like we have no, we've seen no improvement in any of that. Um, I don't know. And that's a weird thing to me. And I imagine it in terms of living in a city, uh, like Baltimore that sees a lot of violence. Um, and like, I'm like a white lady who lives here and I get to ignore a lot of it just by virtue of like how I live. And that's, crazy you know and it's ridiculous I'm trying to figure out what that means for my life and what it means for my art um, and how I can be a better ally and how to be more involved I don't know I'm like trying to work this all out but anyways I'm also working writing about an imaginary city that has all sorts of strange things happening to it um, I, I like to think of it as the city the poems are all happening in that weird moment of silence after some kind of major um, violent incident has happened and every the Poems are first person, but the, and they're sort of like persona poems, but um, they're more lyric than that. I and mean, I don't generally write narrative stuff, so it feels a little, um, it feels not right to call them persona poems necessarily, but um, the characters are all sort of like spinning around in their own little like r lyrical realms uh, in, in, on like a particular night mostly and describing like what's going on with them so it's it's so sort of is it like the spoon river anthology a little bit i will tell you about like actually yeah yeah i've been thinking about the spoon river i actually had never read the spoon river anthology until i was sort of talking about this project with a friend of mine and he mentioned it to me um and i was like what is that and then i looked it up and i read it and i was like this is great but also a lot of this is boring like yeah, there's, yeah. it's so long but so interesting and like what a cool idea um, to have all of these characters talking about the same town and like their relationships to each other, and it was kind of fascinating. So I've been thinking yeah. about that in concert. I've yeah. also been thinking about a lot of um, like uh, portrayals in pop culture of alternate universes, but ones that exist sort of in the same plane at the same time. Because there's like the alternate universe where like Narnia, right? Like you go through a closet and then you're in a whole <laughs> different place, right? And there's a lot different rules and different characters, and that's one kind of alternate universe. Um, there's the alternate universe of like, well, if something had been different in the past, now we have a different future. Yeah. Then there's the ones that sort of are happening simultaneously, and I mm -hmm. find those really fascinating. Um, I guess like a good recent example of that is the is Stranger Things, where mm -hmm. there's like the world, and then there's there's also the world, but it's like where all the bad parts come from. It's right. like yeah, dark sure, side of, of the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they exist simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and it's a way of like weirdly like shunting off the bad stuff into a whole other space that is, but it's not a different space. It's like a metaphor, right? It's like, it's the same space, mm -hmm. but we pretend that it comes like all this bad stuff comes from somewhere else and that we can change it or that we can fight it by pretending that it's like a thing mm -hmm. that's not us, that mm -hmm. we aren't the bad thing. It comes from this other place. Yeah. But really, it's the same thing. It's overlaps. And I'm really fascinated by that kind of alternate mm -hmm. universe. Because um, I think it's fun and weird, and I like thinking about it. <laughs> Have you seen the new Spider-Man movie? Yeah, that's what I was thinking no, too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard that so great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there's a long. Do it this weekend. In comics, that long-standing idea of the multiverse. And exactly. That's when they launch yeah. like yeah. different Spider-Mans. Is that exactly. they have? They all exist mm -hmm. in a different version of the same right. universe. Yeah. 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 And there's also it. the show um, Fringe that's on Fox. Yeah. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard such good. You can find it. You can. Thank you for. It was like maybe three seasons. It was like maybe three seasons. Really good. Yeah, but it was. I've heard about. I gotta look it up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Thea, I, you didn't talk about Famous Times. Oh, no, yeah. You did not. You're off the next project. I mean, you, yeah, you're just like, you're like, oh, that whole thing? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, maybe you would like to tell our listeners a little bit about your new book that is out. Yeah. Um, but also, I had a question about it. And it's really funny that you mentioned when you were talking about your new project, Dystopia Utopia, because I feel like that... That's a lot of you're visiting, you're dabbing in some of that. I feel like in your in the book, um, that's what it feels like to me. I mean, you know, I felt like um, one of the, I feel like blurbs on the back of the book was by Jennifer Chang, correct? Yeah, right? Jennifer Chang. And she said, yeah, yeah. And she had this uh, quote that I I, I don't want to mix, but I think it was ferocious and fragile. And yeah. I feel like both of those things are very present in your work. Um, really interesting. And also, but I have a question about Famous Time, so I would like you to talk to the listeners okay. very briefly about the book <laughs> and then I have a question. Okay. Um, part of the reason I didn't mention it is because the Famous Times, all right, just to give some background information, my first book is called Think of the Danger. Yeah. This book is called Famous Times. Originally, there was one giant manuscript called Think oh. of the Danger back in the day that I ended up, I submitted a bunch and like had got, got pretty good response on it, like some finalist nods. You know how it goes with submitting lots of rejections. Oh, I yeah. ended up, <laughs> yeah. but I kept like changing it and editing it and adding poems and taking poems out. And finally it was this giant thing and I split it in two. Um, Think of the Danger got picked up first and then I was sort of working on Famous Time subsequently. And I split the poems um, based mostly on mood I guess I don't know I wasn't thinking too hard about it but a lot of them like weirder uh more lyric stuff I think went into think of the danger and then famous times got a lot of the DC poems sorry got a lot of the like DC like I'm sad that I have to go to work poems (laughs) 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 um but DC felt like so there's a lot of DC poems or I think of them as DC poems I don't know how present they are to anybody else but um or how present that scene is but DC felt like a really weird place to live when we moved there. From we'd been in the Midwest for seven years doing our what I refer to as our grand Midwestern graduate school tour. Yeah, Chicago, um, Madison, then Iowa State. Then Iowa State. Oh yeah, good. you hit them all. Yeah, missed a couple. Yeah, we came back to the East Coast, and I'm from um, upstate New York, so the East Coast I'm more familiar with. But I wasn't familiar with DC at all. DC felt like a very strange city to me mm. with all of the monuments everywhere and the fact mm-hmm. that you run through. We talked about the museums and all of those wonderful cultural elements, but they're all heavily institutionalized. Mm-hmm. They um, are. And it's a strange, it feels strange to me. We'd also been watching, we had watched every single episode of The X Files. We are X Files completists. Yeah, completists. Coincidentally, like in the, it took like three years to get through all of them, but uh, moving up to moving and then through the beginning of our first like year in DC. And I had this like weird feeling that like I was Agent Scully and (laughs) now I was in DC and I didn't know what was happening to me. And I had to get like, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to teach full time. So I got a desk job, which I, which I have, and I'm very grateful for. And I like, I edit, which which is a thing that I've done for a long time too. Um, but I don't know, it was like milling around all of these, like DC felt like a weird shadow world to me where there were all this sort of stuff going on under the surface, all the embassies, all of the um, diplomats driving their giant cars around with tinted windows where no one else is allowed to have tinted windows. There were like more um, Cadillac Escalades than I've ever seen in my entire yeah, life. Yeah, I on like Rock Creek Park. Like, there are Escalades in the poems. Yeah, like driving through these little park roads like whales. I mean, it was just like, it just felt kind of crazy. So a lot of the poems came out of that. And most of them are written before, let's say almost all of them, before 2016 or the election, oh, at least in 2016. Okay. Um, so it's strange to like for me to look back and see these what I think of as DC poems but like pre-45 DC Mm -hmm. poems Um, yeah so I think that's mostly what I was was thinking a lot about with the stuff that's in Famous Times yeah 
So my question, I'm going to ask it, go ahead and ask you my question, which is really brief and kind of easy, actually. Um, there, I feel like it's <laughs> my specialty. <laughs> brief and easy is your yeah. specialty. So, it is. It yeah, is. No, I don't know. Should that be a t-shirt somewhere? Yeah. Brief and easy, people. Brief so, and easy. So there are a couple of lines I'm going to actually quote from the manuscript, and people should read People should read your book and not take these lines. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of grabbing them from different poems. Um, lines like, I do not understand what it is to be a woman because I don't care. No. That's a line. <laughs> or... Yeah. <laughs> you slice off your fingertip thinking about those balloons, a strange line. <laughs> or my daily life doesn't amount to much, but you should never see you should never see my mind. Um, so, you know, lines like this to me are both uh, witty and daring. And my question is to you, because um, of Not Without Our Laughter, uh, the anthology that yeah. um, I'm the editor and contributor in, and thinking about humor poems, I was wondering when you were writing, because it is really, um, I don't know, how do I, how do I, uh, compartment, compa- compartmentalize it. It is very uh, funny in in moments, in different moments, you know, in and out, right? I was wondering if you thought about if your readers know or can understand or get the sarcasm or the sardonic pieces of your work. And that's, I wonder when you were writing it, did you think about that? Yes, I do try to think about humor because I like humor and it feels, it feels both productive for me to incorporate it into poems and it also makes the action feel a little more joyful because otherwise I can get myself real down writing my like sad office poems and my sad DC poems yes um so I hope it comes through I mean the one about the cutting off the finger that's a poem about a zombie right 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 (laughs) yeah it's called anxieties of the living dead yeah it's it's literally about a zombie and then great title by the the other one I just thought was funny I have like a lot of weird I feel like women are often expected to write about their bodies in a certain kind of way that Mm -hmm. men aren't and we're supposed to be all introspective and examine our bodies and like that's cool and that's an interesting thing. I've just never been interested. Um, I feel almost like I feel more antagonism with my body than like a kind of like nice coexistence. So I don't tend to write about it too much. So that line was just sort of like that was a tossed off kind of line. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, and it, it, those sorts of lines appear here and there, you know what I mean? And I was just like, oh, this is interesting. I was like, I wonder how the world will respond. I mean, I'm just, you know, wondering, because again, like I said, coming from Not Without Our Laughter, I mean, you know, there are things that I think we find funny or as writers, but I don't know if they always translate. It's like comedy a lot of times, you yeah. know. I'm not, yeah. I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, well, I don't want to quote people who are into the hashtag Me Too movement. But anyway, I digress. But there are lots of people that, you know, their work, it either goes or it doesn't. You know what I mean? Either flies or it falls, right? You know what I mean? And I think that's a thing about poetry. And you have to read these poems out loud to your audiences so either they will giggle, you know, or they will be like, oh, no, this is, like you Uh, said, maybe sad and depressed. I don't know. I sort of love that moment in readings, though, where people aren't sure if they're supposed to laugh yeah. or not. They're like... That uncomfortable oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the only one. <laughs> they're looking at each other. A right. chuckle, and then like a only one chuckling, so they stifle it. Yeah. The whole thing. I love that. It's, it's a really beautiful moment. But what does it mean? But what does it mean? Yeah. What do you yeah. think that means? How do you translate that? Is If you're the person behind the microphone, do you... Yeah. You like it, but you... So you take it home, and you... I don't know. I, I, I try to smile when I hear it. Uh, part instinctively, but part yeah. like... I want you to see me smiling, but yeah. I want you to know it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're, you're, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's good. So yeah. there are people who have really funny poems and who are known for doing that, right? Yeah. So yes, like, of course. Like um, whether it's James Hader, whether it's Morgan Parker, yeah. you know, there's going to be some humor in there, yeah. right? But yeah, why yeah. is it that like a fiction writer can get up there, even if they've written other serious stuff, and if it's funny, people tend to just go for it? Yeah. Why do we treat poetry with this like? And I don't write poetry, but why? Is it, I, I'm always yeah, curious. Uh, why do we treat it with this deference? It's, it's like in an arm's length. Like, yeah. Why can't we just it laugh is. out loud? Are you yeah. risking too much, or what is it? I don't yeah. know. I don't 
Well, I mean, one of the things I've always enjoyed about like a Cave Canem reading is the talk back. Yeah. It's yeah. the call and response yeah. in a Cave yeah. Canem yep. reading where all those kind of formal kind of rules about how we're going to be very, you know, tasteful about how we approach the poems and the and the poet, all that goes to the wayside. Yeah. And people talk back at will and it's lovely. And it, it's always been such a almost spiritual experience because, again, you know, you're coming from the Baptist church and all that, you know, yeah. and the fire and brimstone and all this stuff. But it, it, it just, I, I've always appreciated that about a Cave Canem reading. And I love how sometimes you'll go to reading and if there's a significant amount of Cave Canem people there, mm-hmm. you'll get that experience. Mm-hmm. People will start talking back to the poet. <laughs> Right there, uh huh. Mm. Yeah, that's correct. And it's yeah. like, yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Brooklyn. Yeah. Look me. Also, Brooklyn. Look at right. As someone from Brooklyn, <laughs> someone who lived a long life in Brooklyn. Also, Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn yeah. Like, yeah, back. girl. Mm-hmm. And you just like, uh, okay. I yeah, love okay, it. Girl. I love I it. You, he, you see it all the time in like performance spoken word yes. spaces. Mm-hmm. Yes. You snaps. You say go put here. Right. Go yeah. poet. Right. Right. See, right. The right. pens dropping. Right. Like, <laughs> and you, when, when you get to lyric poetry readings, you hear that a lot less. And I want yeah. a, lot, a lot more in lyric yeah. poetry readings. Absolutely. I mean, being being of a Catholic and Lutheran background, Uh-oh. the only common response we <laughs> yeah. have is like, and also with and you. Also with you. <laughs> <laughs> and there's yeah. the name of this podcast. That's and right. also with you. you. I'm going to try that at the next poetry reading I go to. <laughs> I, uh, one more quick thing before we move into uh, the pop portion and then the bang portion is um, I was actually going to talk just a, a bit away from your work and more about your life. So I was wondering just for you, what does it mean to you to be uh, in a partnership with another writer, with someone who's doing a similar work to you? Are there, is it, is it, I mean, there's there's relationship stuff, but there's also like, promotion stuff there's you can edit each other's work um there's got to be a bit of like literary jealousy as well you use the word editor right yeah in-house editor yeah and the thing that i really love about our relationship is that we're at the point now number one in our dedication to the works we've been doing it for long enough that there is absolutely no value whatsoever in giving false praise giving empty praise Mm. so terry will say to me i like this line sure about this one, right? Neither one of us feels the need to sugarcoat it. Each of us has the amount of trust necessary and and foundation of a relationship necessary to not get upset if the other doesn't really, isn't feeling something that we're doing. Yeah, yeah. and let me interject to say, yeah, and when you say in the foundation of the relationship, we've been married 18 years, and mm-hmm. it'd be 19 years this year, yeah. and together nice. for, it'd be 21 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and poetry was one of the main things that brought us together. You yeah. know, I, I put out there in the universe that I wanted a man. I did not have to drag to a poetry reading <laughs> or a foreign film or, you know, an art I exhibition. Yeah. Well you know, done. I agree. <laughs> who was a feminist love prince and hip-hop. You know, and I'm like, I have my, I have my criteria. Um, and he fit them to a T, I have to yeah. say. Um, but yeah, yeah, it just, and, and, and that whole thing about, because I think about, someone else was talking to me, um, one of the parents at our son's school today was like, oh, so are you guys like Sylvia Plath and tattoos? And oh, she was like, no. maybe I shouldn't use that example. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, no. Not no, that. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> I'm not planning to put my head in the oven in there. <laughs> right. Um, you know, yeah. like, and Hayes ain't put, planning to sell all your poems. After exactly. You, after you <laughs> did, right? If you will. Right. I mean, that's one of the reasons I asked, though, is because sort of the the celebrity figures we have, the literary couple, they're not great examples, right? Like uh, F. Scott and Zelda and uh, Sylvia. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, there's, I mean, but, there's, you you know, but there's a lot of contemporary, really yeah. positive literary couples, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Mindy yeah. and Keith Obadike. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, folks like that, and and we, 
Um, I think the other thing that works is that our work is so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way that we write, the things that we write about, our aesthetic is 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 sort of comfortably separate. So there isn't a competitiveness at all. Um, yeah. At all. And there's also neither one of us tries to impose our own personal aesthetic on the other. And any good that happens for any one of us. A long time ago, when we when we first moved in together, before we were engaged and before we were married, we realized that whatever came into the house was good for the house, and it wasn't great for us to separate it. Yeah. I mean, and um, and so any good that comes is good for the whole house. Yeah. And, and and we all can bask in the glory of that. And so why, okay. you know. Yeah, it's great. Terry's had a string of paying gigs. Her book, you know, both of our books came out almost three years ago. You're a cash cow. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's my lady talking about. In the, in the most respectful both, way. And that heifer can make money now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Both of our books came out three years ago, and I like to say that Terry's book has long, shapely legs. It, it won an oh, award. Yeah. It yeah. continues to, you know, it's Proud it's still American out Lord. there. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it means that we aren't, isn't, it doesn't hurt to buy the kids' shoes. Right. <laughs> right. And the way these know, kids grow. Yeah. Right, right. Can I say, too, like, this is odd, but from the outside looking in, we we know each other socially. Uh, Thea and I know Hayes and Terry. Um, Terry and I used to work together. Yep. Um, what was so fun last fall coming over to your house w- and having dinner was to get to see how your poetic and artistic sensibilities sort of cross in that space and how they're manifested in your family too. Like, you know, Zoe's sitting here with that kind of Ken kept making like lip glosses and, and Gus is building some architectural thing that we're going to crash Hot Wheels into. Um, and it's all part of this broader piece of conversation about making things and being involved with right. each other's art. And like, yeah. I don't ask him what people, you know, think of this thing I've built with Legos. It's, it was like a really interesting and really admirable and kind of fun thing to see that now you're kind of living it while you're also working on your own projects. Thank you. Very cool. Because all I can think about is how many damn Legos are on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are fun to step on at 3 (laughs) a.m. You love those Legos. I do do love those Legos. Yeah. Yeah. what about y'all? Well, we work in different genres, which I think I've always said is a good thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't feel competitive with you at all, but we're also working toward very different goals. And, you know, so we're publishing in very different places, and um, we're sort of focused on different things. But Nate's always been, I don't know that I would be, like, writing if it weren't for Nate. I mean, he's always been the one who's... I don't think that's true, but... But you've been, like, the most consistent source of encouragement and sometimes tough love, like, when I need it over the course of my, like, writing life, you know? We met in, like, I I think I mentioned, we met in our first, like, intro undergrad (laughs) writing class, and um, he's been encouraging me ever since then. Nate got an MFA first. I didn't know what I was doing. She I, did copy me and go get an MFA. I did. <laughs> and, of course, uh, and of course, she got into a more prestigious school. <laughs> and you were like, well, I guess I'll yeah. follow you here. I was like, damn, lady. Yeah, I thought I maybe wanted to get a PhD, and I'd, I went through a master's program at the University of Chicago while Nate was doing his MFA, and I was like, he is having way more fun than I am having <laughs> studying action theory at the University of Chicago. Um, and so I sort of I moved to Madison and like hung out for a couple of years and temped. I had this crazy job in the basement of an insurance company and worked in restaurants and taught a little bit, taught philosophy. Um, and then was like, I'm gonna go to MFA. That seemed like a good thing. And you encouraged me to do that. You were Nate was the only person I told I was applying to MFAs. He was the only.
only person who knew that I was really still writing. I didn't talk about it. I felt very intimidated by um, the people I met who were um, felt very confident in talking about their writing who were young, mm-hmm. you know, in their early 20s, people who Nate was in, in grad school with, or even people that we knew um, uh, from undergrad or just friends from New York when we lived there. I felt intimidated, and I didn't because I felt very unsure of myself, and I didn't want to talk about my own writing with anybody, and I mm-hmm. kept it to myself, but never from Nate, and he knew, and he always encouraged me. Um, and I'm really grateful. Well, that, you, that's funny yeah. that and you still say do that, that, though. Because yeah. that, yeah. that was Hayes' role. Oh, yeah? Because I didn't, you know, when I met him, he was in graduate school mm-hmm. in Maryland. But yeah. I didn't have my MFA. I'd done, you know, some graduate work in international affairs, African studies. I went to Kenya and for a foundation fellowship, whatever. You know, like, yeah, and, 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 but, but, and I was working yeah. on the, well, yeah, I know, and I was working on the Hill, but he was, mm-hmm. he was, he was in grad school. And that's what I wanted to do when yeah. I kind of mm-hmm. got pulled yeah. into the, mm-hmm. the other thing. Um, and... And Hayes, when we when I decided to go back to school to get the MFA, it was really important to have Hayes on board. And I had a lot of resistance from many sources close to me that said, oh, you know, don't do this. He might leave you. He, this might not go well. Oh, God. And yeah. it was like, no. Hayes was like, no, no, do this. And he always supported me. And he was there for me um, when applying to Cave Conum the first time and applying for different places. And mm-hmm. so it was really great to have him in my corner. And it was funny because I, too, felt that kind of in, I was insecure about my yeah. work. And I wasn't sure. And I, when I met him, he'd been to Squaw Valley. He already hit Galway Canal in the chest with a tennis ball. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> is that a story? Do we need that a story? That that is is a story. Okay. Uh, do we need a tea if, on that? If I, ever, if I ever wanted the earth to open up and swallow me, <laughs> yeah. it was a day that I hit a hit a really good volley and hit Galway Canal square in the chest. Oh, and, this is, and this is not young Galway Canal. This yeah, is like 1991 Gal- oh, 1992 Galway Canal. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But it was okay. He was okay (laughs) and you know a few years after terry got got her mfa not not for any just to sort of locate it in time um i was like seven eight years into my teaching career Mm. and writing just at a snail's pace um and i said one day i remember we went in the kitchen i was like maybe i'll just be a teacher and she looked at me and 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 she was joking but not joking and she said if you stop writing i'll divorce you <laughs> which, which was not it was not a threat it was a support it was it was belief it was i believe in you as a writer you need to keep doing this because this feeds you and this feeds me and this feeds yeah. our relationship yeah. and here we are yeah yeah it's gorgeous we we decided a long time ago we were going to put put attempting to make art right at the center of our we're really our relationship and our mm-hmm. lives, mm-hmm. our shared life. Um, so it's 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 funny that, like, to hear you say like I've you know been so encouraging because it's completely mutual. It's not. I, I I think obviously you'd be writing if I weren't around or if I hadn't encouraged it. Um, things would be different, but that's also true for me. Ten years on the same book that have only been leveraged because you have. I mean, my insurance is from you. Like you literally support me, and you literally. I mean, she works professionally as an editor, so Thea has always been the one to give me a first content edit. Like, are these? Is this crazy and bad? And the first line edit, like, you are. You've repeated the word "just" eighteen times in two pages. So, so I mean, li- I mean, they're literally at home. I've kept every pass that I've printed out. It's all Thea's markup. She's literally yeah. the first person mm-hmm. to read it yeah. and the first person to touch yeah. it, other than me. Um, and that's. It doesn't even take trust. Like, I think we know each other and know each other's work so well that. I don't know. I, I can't imagine showing anyone else really anything first other than you. Yeah. It was weird to send it to my to my <laughs> agent, whose job it is to read my stuff. <laughs> like it was really awkward, and it was never awkward to show you anything. Yeah. Even when it's bad. 
I think that's love. I think look, I think when when you when you feel okay showing it to someone, even if it's bad, I think that that has to be kind of love. And she 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 lets me down softly. She's like, I always know it's I know it's bad because she's like. She'll focus on some detail like that, that. The light hitting the table in that scene is wonderful. The conversation with the mom, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, say, go, go on. Yeah, yeah. Did you bug our house? <laughs> right. She's like, I'm curious about that. And I'm like, ah, shit. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Hello, everyone. We are back with the pop portion of Lip Pop Bang. We still have all of our guests here, and we're ready to talk about exciting things in the world of pop culture. Yeah, and there's actually, there's so much to talk about this month, and because we've gone so long, we don't have a ton of time to talk about it. So we're going to, like, really narrowly focus, but we 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 definitely have to mention a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, we have to mention... What are the brief uh, things that we're going to mention first? uh, So, I I mean, we don't have to talk about any of them, but I do want to say... The new season season of Star Trek Discovery is yes, on the yeah, air. Yes, okay, um, cool. there, we have a date scheduled for the return of Game of Thrones. Yes, amen. We did. We did. We did. That, yeah, winter um, is coming. It is award season. The, it the, is the all the Oscar awards yeah, are Oscars, out. Yeah. Who's wait? Is uh, Alicia Keys hosting? I have no idea. No, I, I don't think they've, you, they've named a host. No host? Not after the whole thing. Nobody wants to host shows anymore. It's yeah, the yeah, yeah. After the whole Kevin Hart. Uh, yeah. uh, as of today recording, this is we sold for you listening, but yeah. uh, Roger Stone was arrested today. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, finally. Uh, unpaid FBI agents showed up at his door today. Um, that's pretty interesting. Um, the R. Kelly documentary yeah, is getting a lot of attention. I can't talk about it, people. I'm just so over it. I mean, I think it's really good for the victims of uh, R. Kelly to speak out, especially I did not watch most of the documentary just because it's just too... It's hard not to watch and certainly hard not to talk about without just being a fucking ball of rain. Yeah, but yeah. we should have known, people, we should have known this, like, when the Boondocks episode came out about yeah. R. Kelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. We oh should have known this We should have known this ago. when he married Aaliyah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jim DeRogatis has, in Chicago yes. has been reporting on this Sometimes, for yeah. 20 yes. years. Yes. 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 This is what I'm saying. Yes. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Where is it? Also, mm-hmm. I that falls to the culture. Uh, not important, but also maybe important to our millennial, our very young millennial uh, listeners, the Cardi B new twerk video. Okay, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of controversy Getting attention and uh, pundits don't like him, which is right, right, an right. interesting time that we're in. That, yeah, that, the woman uh, asked her that whether or not this video Fox was appropriate News. in the hashtag yeah. MeToo movement, yeah. you know, yeah. and she defended Cardi B, defended her the video, yeah. and I mean, listen, there have been a lot of videos before Cardi B also, that mm-hmm. actually have oh done God, of this thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nelly Nicki Minaj... Credit card through the bus? Right, yeah. right. Drill. Okay. Tip drill. Yeah. Rump shaker yeah. from, from the nineties? Rump yeah. shaker. We had Sir Mix a lot. My yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. Uh, Baby got I that. will say Sir Mix a lot. I put him on the glass. Put him on the glass. His lesser known hit. Nobody remembers that. <laughs> Baby got right. that. Right. Also, so, what's the queer eye thing going on too? Oh yeah. Well, I'm very excited. The queer eye is doing a visit in Japan. They're doing oh, four episodes fun. in Japan. Nice. Um, they already recorded in Kansas City. Those episodes aren't out yet. That's season two. That's season three. Watched two seasons. Oh, yeah, 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 Season right, three right, is right, Kansas right, City. Right. They're not released yet, but yeah. now they're doing four episodes in cool. Japan, very which cool. I'm very excited yeah. about. And I, I, I just can't live without my Karama. Yeah, I just can't. Uh, also uh, okay. speaking of TV, uh, two two separate 
documentaries about the fire festival. Oh, oh my god! Oh my Everyone's god! Everyone's talking about that. Yeah. Where do we start? Yeah, I love. Has I anyone watched love... the? Who's watched the documentary? I have I'm not watched it, but I. I watched the the clips that everyone's watching yeah, from me it. Too. That's me too. fucking just wild. But I do love how much everyone loves seeing really wealthy people get scammed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. That's what. That we we can and should enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, eat the rich. Seriously, absolutely. Uh, all right, cool. So that's all the stuff that's going on right now. There's a that lot we're more. Not, that we're basically yeah. not, even though yeah. we did talk a little bit about yeah. it, but we're not going to focus yeah. on that. But I miss was, Karamo, too, by the way. Yeah. Well, you love yeah. Karamo? I yes. love him. Yeah. yeah, what about Jonathan? No one rocks a, a satin bomber jacket like yo, Karamo. I yo, agree. Karamo is the one who inspired me to rock the hoodie under bomber jacket. Like Absolutely. No, it's so good. And he retweeted Lip Hop Bang. Yeah. We tweet about them all the time. His role, he's like so, he's a wonderful counselor. Like, his fashion sense is awesome but like the actual advice he gives it's uplifting yeah. he's and, a really and good and I dude. have fantasies about Tan Tan is my little he's, so, he's just I nice. love his hair Tan's the, hair is the British accent is everything right. I gotta tell you something you're gonna hate I think n- none of them are bad I think Tan's my least favorite. Oh really? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I yeah, it's fine. Bobby's kind of my least favorite. I mean, Aww, but I, but I still Bobby. love you, Bobby. If you want to come to the show. <laughs> no, I love, I love Bobby because he's he's the er like rural guy who is yeah. like religious who is like, I'm. I'm queer. I'm get, I gotta yeah. get the fuck out of yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, I, Bobby's I, story. I love Bobby great. for that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's Bobby builds a fucking house every show. Yeah, <laughs> he does the most work. Bobby works his butt off. Does he really build the house though? I mean, do the interns build the house? I think while everyone else is out, he's just sitting there doing unglamorous work, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Okay. But we each do want to talk about one thing that we are interested in. What you? What do you want to talk about? Yeah. So I'm always talking about Black Girl Magic on here on Lip Hop Bank. So I'm talking about Kamala Harris announcing uh, her 2020 presidential run. Uh, She made the announcement on MLK Day uh, in Washington, D.C. She's a graduate of Howard University. Uh, She's the current Democratic uh, senator for California. And I think people uh, also, she's rumored to have her headquarters here in Baltimore. I don't know how um, for sure that is. I don't know if that's total quote-unquote, nailed down yet or not. But anyway, um, I think a lot of people are very excited. People are, um, many people, both Black Twitter and not, are very excited about Kamala Harris running uh, for 20. I've sort of suspected it for a long while. She's been making sort of statements that sort of allude to Mm -hmm. the fact that she's probably running. She's done the run-up, you know, having the book come out. I mean, there are certain indicators that you give. Since the Kavanaugh hearings, people were like, oh. Yeah, Yeah. she's, yes. I mean, when we were... What was it? The right. last election we were talking about, right, what's the next cycle look like? We were talking about Kamala Harris, right? Sure. Like, yeah. 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 That was people's um, wish list. Though. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I, uh, the Baltimore thing, I really hope that she moves into, um, here in Baltimore on North Ave, there's this building mm. that um, during the last gubernatorial election, the returning governor occupied that building for his Baltimore yep. campaign. Yep. I would love mm-hmm. if she moved in there. Absolutely. Especially because one of those, be- there was this beautiful billboard um, that that had this message, this anti-police violence message spray painted on it. It was this DIY art oh. that was iconic to North Avenue for several mm-hmm. years. And when Governor Hogan moved into that campaign building, yeah. he, he put plastered up a, over he it. Plastered of course over he it. did. Yeah. I would love for her to move into that building Tear that down and leave that whoever died from a rough ride. Yeah. Sign. yeah, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Unexposed, uh, taken exposed, down, exposed yeah, for yeah, everyone yeah, to yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, uncovered. It'd be, be beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do others of you feel about Kamala Harris running? I'm excited about her. I mean, I think um, it's really interesting because we start off with like Elizabeth Warren, and then it was like yeah. Kamala Harris, and in um, 
I know people are still wondering about Beto Rourke. And, and like, there's so many other names in there. But I am excited about her. I liked her in so many different ways that I've seen her present herself yes. in the Senate. And um, the just just the way she held herself and the fact that she um, was doggedly going after people in a way that was nice, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. But I found it really interesting how there have been varying responses to her within the community, yeah, within absolutely. the black community. Yeah. And I found this really interesting that people create this litmus test of black culture, mm -hmm. which, I mean, I've often They police failed. black culture. I know, because mm -hmm. I have failed so many litmus tests of black culture. Um, yes. You know, and I'm As, just like, yes. I don't know how I could fail it. I'm black. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're like, I live it every day. I, I do. Yeah. I do. Right. I don't wake up and you know, right. turn it off but you know right. um, so I, I'm really excited to see her and then I'm also excited to see that because she's biracial and yes. I'm seeing so much of the Indian yes. population responding yes. to her run yes. and I love how she's yes. claiming both my, I, I agree my um, my nail lady who I occasionally go to is um, is Indian and so she was talking about she was like oh there's an Indian woman running exactly. for president and I was mm. like oh who is she, <laughs> <laughs> and, she was like, you know? and she was like I'm wow. hilarious and I was like oh oh I was like and then and then I looked up her ethnicity and she's both yeah. part Jamaican and part Tamil Indian yeah, cool. so the Indian community like you said they're getting into it and yes. they are embracing her and that's going to be sort of interesting uh, voter population blocks is what yes. I would think yeah. about because I don't right? think a lot of people you know, talk about that right. so be yeah. but you know I don't know if Barack Obama did he hit both the Hawaiian and the <laughs> yes. I'm just making a joke because he also is biracial you know yeah. what I mean but right. goes down yeah. as being the first black president in yeah. history so yeah. I always think it's interesting about how people identify and what they get you know yeah. I don't know this is not speak, uh, oh go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> too polite man um, speaking of communities uh Kamala Harris has has behind her um, the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, uh, and yeah, if you yeah. know black yeah. sororities, yeah. number one they roll deep. Another number two they are absolutely one hundred percent behind each other. Absolutely, they so are. that's yeah. a huge network that she's going to have on the ground. Sure. You know, kind of grassroots thing that that Obama had to right. a large extent. Yeah. Right. Exactly. She's got already got a nationwide network. Well, I thought was, you were going to speak to the biracial identity thing. Well, I mean, that too. yes, which I've been much more claiming recently. And and that's yeah, I mean, I think I'm not sure how it's I don't not sure how that's going to play for her. Um, mm -hmm. but I think that that what it did for Obama was that it got him whereas Obama lost certain counties certain rural areas 60-40 Hillary, um, Hillary, Clinton, Hillary Clinton lost them 80-20 mm -hmm. because he yeah. had an ability to go and understand two perspectives. He had an ability right. to connect with right. a wider demographic right. based on right. his experience of that, right. of, of, yeah. of being biracial. Yeah. yeah. Nate, I, what were you, you going to say? Oh, yeah. Just, I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I, I think she's, you know, she's interesting to me for a number of reasons, mm -hmm. but where I have a little bit of trepidation or fear is not all, all not at all about the campaign she would run, not a, not at all about her platform. Um, it's that we already know because we saw at the last election cycle that a woman is going to have to work five Excellent. times yep. harder yes. than yep. anyone else, yep. Yep. and a woman of color is I mean yep. is yeah. going to have to work twenty times yep. harder. The it's actually not unrelated to the Cardi B discussion oh. at, at the top of this segment, which is. The only reason it's controversial for Cardi B to be twerking or to be overtly sexual for a Fox pundit is because she's a black woman. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. give me. I mean, that's not. I, that's not controversial to state. Kamala Harris um, is. I mean, about as straight as it comes in terms of politicians. She was a prosecutor. She's got her yeah. bona fides. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I thought she was incredible during the Kavanaugh hearings because mm -hmm. yeah. she 
manages to sort of ask pointed questions without having them seem inflected by emotion, which is something that yes. women get charged with constantly, yep. which is, Very oh, funny. you just, your point is invalid because it's based on emotion. Right. Um, the flip side of the coin is, does that mean she's going to read as too cold or too distant? Yeah. But I, yeah. I'm personally really excited about her. And if she does base her campaign out of Baltimore, I mean, I mean this sincerely, not only would I be glad for the opportunities for people in Baltimore to like canvas for and come out and work for the campaign, but that's a campaign I'd want to volunteer for. Yeah, yeah we're planning on it. And yeah. here's this whole thing. If she reads as cold or distant, that's only again because she's a woman. Of course. But that's true. Yeah, but cold and distant is part of man should be serious. But that's what I'm saying. Cold and distant is part of the game that women have to play in, a, in order to be taken yeah. seriously. Well, yeah. Whether yeah. professional or government or any other arena. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. come in and be hysterical, right? Yeah. Otherwise, People but again, that, that wandering uterus always gets you. The oh, wandering uterus. Oh. Yeah, yeah, totally. Maybe that'll be the name of the, <laughs> exactly. of the episode. Wandering uterus. <laughs> Tell me more of this wandering uterus. <laughs> but, you know, I think another thing that's absolutely something that inseparable the fact that she's a woman is that um, I think she's getting pushback from the left, like the serious mm -hmm. left for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's partly because, as we were mentioning sort of off air, um, because she's a prosecutor and because yeah. she has this, this history as a prosecutor and what does that mean now? Um, especially, um, particularly the far left is looking at um, her st previous stances on sex workers yeah. and her hard line for sex workers. And that's something she's going to have to answer for and I'm sure she will. But I, I think like I think just like Hillary Clinton part of how hard she has had to be as a prosecutor right. is a political game of, of she has to be a, a woman in, in right. like this in the patriarchy, right? She right. has to right. appear fierce um, in, order, in, in, a, in a culture that's really judging her right. on the fact that she's a woman first. And, and let's a be black honest, woman that no, one, no one's yeah. going to read, no one's yeah. going to come in. This is the thing I'm always saying. No one's yeah. going to come in without any ticks on their of course. on the on of their course. list. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. If any of us yeah. sitting here, the six yeah. of us, right, in our prospective jobs or whatever, yeah. no one's gonna come out flawless. Yeah. No one is. Right. right? right. I mean that's the reality of this and game. And if you did, you were the Manchurian candidate. And if <laughs> right. Yeah, there's something real there's right. something wrong. It's black mirror. I don't know what it right. is. It's black mirror. I don't know. But no one's gonna come out flawless. So I think it's ridiculous to expect our candidates not to have had a past where yeah. they voted for things that we do do not align with. Mm -hmm. I have voted for people who voted for things that I don't align with, where they have worked in, in causes and in areas and things in their previous jobs where I don't, you know, I don't agree. So I just think it's ludicrous for, you know what I mean, for us to expect that in some sort of way. I mean, if you looked at my history or I, I mean, maybe yeah, others same, of your histories, same. you know what I'm saying? I'm saying I, I wasn't always yeah. a perfect yeah. person. You yeah. know what I mean? So allow I, you, for growth. Yes, yeah. we do. And I'm saying yeah. people's, people's stances on maybe, uh, I don't know about sex workers, I don't know what her stance is, but I'm saying on particular issues can change as they go Absolutely. into yeah. the candidacy. Didn't and I Obama, think we need, I mean, I, I remember I mean, Obama, Obama. gay marriage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the that's middle exactly of his presidency. Yeah. Yeah. Talked about how his daughters, Absolutely. talked about how his daughters influenced him. Yeah. And I was like, yes. yes. I was like, yes. this is a man who's listening to his yeah. damn children. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I remember yeah. him on the OA campaign trail. I define marriage as between a man and a woman. Yeah. Exactly. I remember that I do too. I remember it. And I thought, hmm. You know what I mean? I said, I'm going to pull the lever, but hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's also it's sort of where the culture was at, and it's actually right. This is what Dr. King says in the uh, the dream speech, which is he's not willing to accept interposition. This idea that you can do it incrementally, but I think the reality with a candidate like Harris is her position. You know, once upon a time, it may be a good thing that the goalposts have moved so far that yeah. we're questioning. Yeah. Hey, where were you on sex workers right. ten years ago in California? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing to ask. That shows yeah. that we've come a, a long way. But yeah. she also strikes me as someone who'd be able to, who, and would be 
uh, enthusiastic about engaging in reflection, thoughtful yes. reflection on those we positions and changing her mind or yes. or saying I was wrong, I'm moving forward, Again. or just explaining where she's at as opposed to somebody like Hillary Clinton who just doubled down on all of her like baggage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she did. Yeah. 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 She did seem retractable. Don't know Miss Reflection. She just wouldn't do it and I, maybe that part of that was, like we're talking about that pressure mm-hmm. to be sort of firm as a woman mm-hmm. and show that you have some sort of like resolve in the face of people getting in your face, but I don't, that wasn't, we're not at that point. Like, we yeah. don't want people yeah. to, like, well, yeah. cling yeah. on to the decisions we they want, made. We want people that, well, a lot of voters want people that they feel like they can connect with. Sure. Yeah. People just yeah. did not feel like they could connect with mm-hmm. I mean, Hillary Clinton. She, yeah. right. she was up here. Yeah. Right. And, and I and hate that. I think it's probably the too. worst it fucking is. thing it is. that we have to be. Rela- I mean, honestly, at this point, with after <laughs> after two years <laughs> under forty five, I realized that what I wanted a candidate who is smarter than me. I desperately want elected officials who are yeah. smarter than right. me. Yeah. Um, All yeah. I can say is I think my children can do a better job than forty five. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, no doubt. Your children are smart and funny and creative. Yeah. Also, we're consistently saying forty five. He's like Voldemort. We just. Yeah, shifting shifting gears a bit to, to more uh, entertainment pop culture versus politics pop, pop culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually just something I'm watching, and I, I I talked about this before we started, and I think only one or one of you, two of you, maybe are even familiar with this. Um, I just watched finished season one of a new thing that just appeared on Netflix. Dairy Girls, D E R R Y, Dairy Girls. Dairy, D A I R Y. No, right, right. D E R R Y. Right, Dairy Girls. Terry, you've seen Dairy Girls. Yes, I yeah. saw the very first episode. Yeah. And I have to say, I have to preface this with I went to Dairy, Ireland. Oh, yeah. How is it? <laughs> In 2017. It was great. Yeah. The Maiden yeah. City, mm-hmm. um, because it has this walled approach. Yeah, it's the, you know, one and, the, only, uh, the only walled cities left. In Ireland, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And oh, wow. On the Heaney, island of Ireland, yeah. Seamus Heaney's from that area, yeah. and um, we I read with us that you guys seen part of uh, BLBC at this place called the Cafe Sandinista. Uh-huh. Um, it's really loud cafe. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and when you go into the cafe, they have like a, a poster of like Malcolm X, and oh, like it's well, like and, yeah. yeah, and like uh, the Black Panthers came, and there's a Civil Rights Museum in Derry. Yeah, wow. um, yeah awesome. it's, it's Douglas. Yeah. Spent a lot of time in Ireland. When he oh. published the narrative, I'm sorry, because I know this is a tangent, but after Douglas published a narrative in which he named his in, named his owners and overseers, which was scandalous at the time, mm. and one of his owners, um, Anthony Ald, I believe, um, basically put a hit out on him. Like, look, find <laughs> this dude, bring him back into slavery. I will sell him as far south as I can. So, so Douglas literally left the country, went to Ireland, inspired Irish people. Right. Yeah. This, this is one of the lost things about about American history, mm. about black American history, is that black Americans have inspired so many global movements mm. around Twice. freedom Absolutely. and yeah. quest yes. for rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. Douglas has a history in Ireland. A lot of people have a history. Yeah. And matter of fact, yeah. he was actually in Limerick and went down the street from where I stayed in Limerick. Um, so there were a lot of intersections. But Derry was awesome. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. And I think the, the, the really interesting about this is this ridiculous show is like sort of about that. It's like mm-hmm. this political addition yeah. to the place. So the mm-hmm. show, it takes place in Derry, which is uh, in Northern Ireland, right on the border. Right. Um, in the early 90s. It's got an early 90s soundtrack, which is fantastic. Yes. Um, it's originally produced by a, a British production company, but Netflix sort of picked up the whole season. Um, and it's, um, it's a teen comedy, um, like a high school teen comedy about these girls uh, going to a Catholic school uh, in Derry, 
during the Troubles. Right. Mm. So wow. it's just a funny teen show, it's and then in the background is fucking checkpoints yeah, and yeah. protests yes. and bombings. Yes. Crazy. Which is that alone to have a, a teen wow. comedy set in a war zone, basically, yeah. is, is a radical move. Yeah. It's a really radical move. It, but it also shows you how much they absorb on the regular. Like, yeah. just how they yeah. absorb. And this becomes their background. Yeah. And they're just mm-hmm. used to it. The moment um, when they're on the way to school and they're worrying about how are they going to get to school because yeah. there's a bomb threat on the bridge. Yeah. And, and then yeah. the soldiers come onto the bus and they're just like, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, but that soldier's really cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, one girl is, like, terrified that a soldier's wearing the bus. And, and another girl is like, like, he is so hot. I, I, I was just like, <laughs> it's, like, totally just what you expect of teens. Right. Um, in this like really dramatic place, yeah. right? It's and for that it's really gorgeous. It's just a teen comedy. But it is. But is this the so first episode? Is this the first season? Uh, season the first one's season? a six six episode season, like a lot okay. of UK shows okay. are, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hour six hour long episodes. Right. Um, again, comedy. Yeah, um, right. it was really? so hilarious to me that I actually went and got Hayes and said, "Hey, you yeah. have to watch this." Yeah, just for, because the father was cracking us up in that very first episode. Yeah, yeah. And um, now it's just like, and as I watched the whole thing, my mouth dropped open after the dad. Yeah, the dad was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and my mouth just stayed open to the yeah. to the nun <laughs> and what happened in that very first episode yeah. where the kids got caught. And you're yeah. just like, oh my gosh, this is incredibly bizarre and great. Yeah, and so I just highly recommend it. I mean, and so for you having finished the whole thing. I know I, I have a treat in store for me. Just oh my god! It just uh, they, they continue to the same thing where they're just tucking these historical political moments yeah. into this comedy, which is wild. But uh, yeah, the, the season mm. is beautiful. It ends on a perfect note of mm. both like a high point and a low point. It's the way stories should end. It's really mm. gorgeous, yes. and um, it's actually um, Dare Girls is the most watched series in Northern Ireland since they started keeping records on most watched series. Wow. Well, yeah, I, I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People love sense. it. I think in part because it's a national acclaim now, yeah, right. but in mm-hmm. part because it's like, uh, just like uh, Americans looking that way have this fascination with the Troubles. Well, and it's still like an of, important part of, of their history, of course. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of dairy pride when yeah. we were there. Oh, I and, bet, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I totally identified that and identified with the fact that they had the Civil Rights Museum yeah. and the fact that they had welcomed in the Black Panthers yeah. and they wanted to learn more things from the Civil Rights Movement for Black People in America yeah. and then take those lessons and apply them to their own situation. And it just, it made... I mean, I did the whole ancestry thing, and yes, I have Irish ancestry, right? Oh, ancestry.com. I know, right? But, then, <laughs> but being black in America, you always wonder, was that forced or was that really? Well, Absolutely. Of course, of course you right. don't know. You never yeah. know. There's um, a, I mean, in Derry, there's a, the, one of the iconic images of the Troubles is that um, broad side of the building painted with that famous uh, image of you are now entering free dairy. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like a symbol of the Troubles that's mm-hmm. going to become international. Dairy or London Dairy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, London Dare is the official name of town. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's interesting you mentioned the heritage thing. Uh I this is really crazy. I grew up believing that my ancestry was um native native and Castilian Spanish. And that was the story of my family the mythology of my family is lineage. And my brother a couple of years ago did the DNA test thing, like a lot of people do. Holy false. Holy false. Oh, wow. Um and we're like eighty percent of the Irish who came and then migrated to the Midwest and then moved further west. Like, it's a very direct story that's easy so, to tie. Look, it's unmistakable. So We're unmistakably like, Irish. There's no yeah. Irish stories in my family. So for um, both of you who are watching Dairy Girls, yeah. you have interest because it's both uh, ancestry and a very good... Oh, 
it's just, and Television I love, and then I gotta say, you know, Dairy, they were so awesome and they were so welcoming. Yeah, right, right. And right. Um, it was such a great moment to be there and read yeah. read the poems and, and um, yeah, so. Yeah. And you're part Irish, but you don't I know. know I know, it. wait, but there's also, there's the Native American that did show up and the Russian and the Finnish. And sure, the, sure. Yeah. I mean, and the Asian. I'm sure I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure, sure. I will say, too, like, I'm so curious about the show now because. In American television production, actually, so right around like 9-11 is this great example, mm-hmm. and, the, and the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the interminable Afghanistan war, um, where so many shows have decided not to address yes, them yeah. at yeah. all. Exactly. So yeah. you watch something like Gilmore Girls, which was in production before 9-11 and after, and they never mention yeah, it, even so though they're ridiculous. in Connecticut, supposed to be in the so train ridiculous. distance of New York. Yes. That's a big difference from something like The Sopranos, where yep. while, oh they, while gosh, The Sopranos yes. was in production uh, before and after 9-11, yeah. and they don't depict anything about 9-11, but they're constantly, right. after having talking about it in the show, right. yeah. that yeah. feels more like real life was. Right. And I wonder yeah. if Dairy Girls feels more like... It feels more naturalistic for that reason. I still I was, want you to watch Dairy say, Girls, and I want to see what you all say. Oh, I'm going to watch it. I was going to say because it can't. You know, I've only seen five minutes of the first episode, but it, but it, but it sounds from what you're saying, Anthony, like it captures the tragic comedy of life. Yeah, exactly. Right. Life I mean, is that consistent yeah. balance of the beautiful and the awful. And it's the constantly absurd. both things. Wait, yeah. injections yeah. of the absurd all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and exactly. I, I actually honestly think that if it weren't in this setting, I wouldn't love it as much because it is sort of at times just a cheesy teen comedy show Mm -hmm. um but there's something about that setting that like this is so weird i'll watch it ever though this is so weird i'll watch it and suddenly the series is done it's like i can't believe the show was made right well and also knowing your irish heritage well okay let me i when we went to dublin a few years ago i you know being a kind of standard issue white dude in america growing up in california living in a few different states and only ever really living in well, I mean, Baltimore is a majority black town, yeah, right? Yeah. But only ever living in a place that was truly diverse the last maybe five or ten years of my life. Um, going to Ireland for the first time a few years ago was the only time I felt that I was that kind of cultural affinity where I, I'm not – we don't celebrate our Irish heritage. We don't right. really talk about it. Right. But getting off the plane and looking around and being like – I'm five seven, pretty round and very furry. I was looking around and I was like, I was like, oh my god! I was like, my people. Um, but there is something. There was something very funny about this sort of. Um, it, it was. It's a friendly place. It's a deeply. It's a deeply political culture, a religious culture as well. And it seems like God. That if if that isn't the making for great television, I don't know yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So we're back. We're back with the bang portion of our podcast today, again, with the theme of February being that Valentine's Day month, which, by the way, nobody likes Valentine's Day, right? Nobody's. No. I, no, love Valentine's no. Day. Uh, I, I love Valentine's Day. I love Valentine's Day. Y'all love Valentine's Day. I love Valentine's Day. really romantic. I, I had some of the best romantic gifts ever from this man. Uh-huh. I mean, serenades at work. I mean, like, just, yeah, no, he's just That's romantic. I don't, I don't care anything about the commercial. I mean, the commercial aspect, I don't care that people are like, oh, the cards and the candy, it's so cheese. I don't give a shit. Yeah. There needs to be a day a year that your partner says to you, turns to you and looks to you and says, I love you and here's a gift. That's 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 what I want. That's all I want. Yeah. That's it. It's like a birthday. Yeah. It's kind of like a birthday 
But you're like a romantic birthday. Yeah, it's a birthday yeah. of love. A birthday, birthday. A birthday of love. love That's I think a birthday of love That's, can also be the There's name. a word for that. It's called an anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> no. Look, me, no. Anniversary sometimes could just be like, oh, what day is Let's just go out and get something to eat for dinner. Yeah. No, no. You need. You, an you anniversary need, always should be a celebration. It should be, but I'm saying Valentine's Day is when all all people everywhere are, are you know, I mean, commercial or yeah. not, are One relegated I, to thinking about. I lived in Korea for a while, and one thing I really love about Korea is they actually have a holiday that's like an anti-Valentine's Day, where all the single people go out to eat, and everyone eats something that's colored black. It is absolutely gorgeous. Now, would, I'd be more comfortable with a Valentine's Day if that. we also yeah, had anti-Valentine's Day. I would, I would love that, though, because I've been on both sides. Yeah, the person yeah. who's been on both sides yeah. and married late, so I've, I feel like I would have loved that thing. Yeah. I would love both. You know, but I also, as a single person for me, though, I... I I spent a lot of my Valentine's days like either making gifts or making food for friends of mine and packaging them in like red cellophane paper. And like, I mean, literally, I was like a factory. Like, you can call my friends in New York <laughs> and ask them on Valentine's Day. I was like, okay, well, I'm not with any, I'm not with someone romantically, right? But I, you all are my extended family. You are my family here in New York. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna do this thing for you that makes you know that I love you on this day of yeah. romantic love. So for me, I, you know, I mean, you, I think you can translate. It any way you want to, yeah, and I mean, it doesn't even have to be romantic love. I mean, but that's I what I'm saying. Spoiled. I'm saying friendship. Yeah, yeah saying, my I, dad I, would give us Valentine's Day gifts, right? That's what I'm saying. I was so, baking cookies or making yeah, lasagna or, squares and cutting them out and see, giving them to friends. Like I was, a, I was your a, grandma sends us cookies. I'm a nutcase. I'm a nutcase when it comes to that. I love making oh. stuff for friends and fam. Like I'm just that person who's just like, oh yeah, I just I, want to get in the kitchen and make some. Me and my partner don't observe really Valentine's Day, but we do. Uh, because we're queer, I always get invited to Valentine's Day as well, and so like what's Valentine's Day? Ga- it's like uh, the before Valentine's Day. It's a day before the third. Yeah, time? with all like where women celebrate their like oh, with oh, each other together. Okay, is it supposed yeah. to be single people? Right, right. Single no, 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 no. It's oh, you no, can no, be no, booed no. up. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's about yeah, it's about it's like a, about a day for fraternal love. Oh. Yeah. It sounds to me like you're double dipping. You get Valentine's Day and yeah. Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. We don't. We no. don't do Valentine's Day. We don't do anything oh, for that. Okay. Um, our tradition for Valentine's Day is getting together with a group of friends who have gotten together every year, and we make something called Lover's Pizza, which is a pizza covered with toppings that make your breath taste bad. So it's like... <laughs> oh, <laughs> so That's smart. It's like vegan pepperoni, Sorry. garlic, red onion, mm. artichoke. Wow. Uh, on a pizza. Oh, sounds, wow. sounds amazing. Look, look me. Look, I'm like, sounds tasty. We're going off the rails. What I was going to ask was, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, um, there's this thing going on. I think there's like a YouTube thing right now and there's a Twitter thing right now where everyone's asking about your worst date. Um, and so I was going to ask everybody, you, and, and you could really say as a couple your worst date or as an individual your worst date, but what was your, the worst date you remember? Terry doesn't remember this, but we went to see... <laughs> The Black Eyed Peas, Milky Sedek, and Outkast at the 930 Club in D.C. Great right? Events. Great concert. Yeah, great amazing. venue. Great we saw a lot of great concerts before the kids were born. I don't remember if it was, <laughs> I don't remember if it was at my apartment or on the way to the show, but we had a fight. And like a oh. fight fight. We don't fight that often. It was no, like a don't. fight fight. We had like three fights before and so, the kids were born. And so, <laughs> we, and so we stood there very separately, right? At the club together, but very separately oh. enjoying the show. But in the, and 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 only because it was such a good show did it kind of melt the tension and you know mm. things were okay on the way home. Mm. But but it was, it was yeah. Yeah, and, and, oh. and see, does it even count if I don't remember? I, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it counts especially as your worst if you can't even remember it. You yeah, sh- you shut the memory out. Erase I mean, it. Yeah, you can walk. Do you have a different worst date? 
Well, I, my first boyfriend was crap, and so we never mm. dated. Like mm. he would just come over to he would take the bus to my mother's house, and oh. we would just sit there, mm-hmm. and that was it. And so I didn't realize, like, so I don't have a lot of dating history. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't have a lot of worst dates because I don't have a lot of dates. <laughs> I'm in, the, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I never really had a, I never really had a serious partner before Thea, um, and we fought. You like, were girlfriends in high school. Well, yeah, but it was like it was like getting coffee. It wasn't. It was not serious romance. It was yeah. like. Yeah. It was girlfriends in high school. I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't realize too. This is another thing. Until I got to college, that, like where I'm from is very small, and very conservative. It's oh. it's like I went to high school in the fifties. It's Fresno. Uh, it's south of Fresno. It's um, called Visalia. Oh, I, I've been to Visalia. You're kidding me. No, I. Uh, you, it has bomb ass Mexican food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, it's, it's near um, uh, Tulane, which is where the. Yeah. Uh, both the Farm Expo and the Historical Farm Expo are held in California. Anthony, I did not know that I could love you more. Um, Those are different expos. Yeah, so, so they're, they're different from the Farm Equipment Expo too. So, so the farm, she was like, "Those are different. The Farm Equipment Expo got too big in corporate, and yeah. so the old schoolers needed their own thing. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, it is. Yeah." Um, <laughs> so the, I guess the long and short of it is I had no prior relation, no, no real relationship experience. Met Theo sophomore year of college. I, I had just turned 20. She was 19. Um, yeah. Same with me. I didn't really date much. I mean, we were, school. we were dumb kids and yeah. then we, we fought like really cats kids. and dogs. We fought all oh, yeah, the time. Th- so much fighting. Oh my oh, God. God. I'd say for the first four or five years. Yeah. Wow. We were babies. I mean, yeah, oh yeah. We were like, we like grew up. Life. I mean, in that oh, way. God. Um, I do remember one time. I've learned better how to communicate. Thank God. Our fighting's kind of hot, though. I don't know. It no, it had its benefits. Right. Right. Well, right. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking no. about. I'm sorry. I'm a Scorpio. There's just sex, period. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hello. Next Angry, happy, sad. Not really good. Whatever. Right. <laughs> um, I do remember one of your birthdays when we were together in college, maybe senior year. We had gone out to this really shit bar called Dunbar's where you could get like, it was called group therapy. You'd get like a pitcher of beer and six kamikaze shots for like, Love it. for six Can dollars. Can I go now? Ow. Don't go there. It's probably Actually, condemned. The place down. was a real pit. Um, All those kamikaze down. shots. But, <laughs> but in keeping with, in keeping uh, with Thea writing about bad parties, this was, this was like, she doesn't like to do, I mean, if I may, you don't love big social gatherings. Um, I don't mind them. I just need appropriate medication. Yeah, <laughs> and, and she needs a lot of planning, a lot of time to yeah. gird I need to know what's happening, too. I'm not great with surprises. But we met some friends at a bar. We got we got completely too drunk on this group therapy thing. And I guess for months I'd been, I don't know why, I was such a jerk. Oh, this, I, this was my birthday. It was your birthday, but I had been mouthing at Thea the word olive juice because I heard it was a joke. It was like, yeah, yeah, the elephant chew, olive, olive juice joke. Right, yeah, yeah. It looks, if you say olive juice, it looks like you're saying I love you if you say if you mouth it, like, yeah. I've never juice. heard that. This, this is a white thing. Yeah. I know it's a white thing. Yeah, it's the whitest thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I agree. You don't know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'll own it. It's super white. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. So, so the same. We don't do it. Didn't know. So, stupid ass me has been like mouthing olive juice at Thea, like, as a joke, like saying, fake saying I love you for like a couple of months. Well, oh so birthday. we're trekking back to her apartment, Ooh. and you know, it was that first. It was that first year we were together. We got together in like January, and this was like April. Yeah, like four months that later. Was really fast. So we're both a little drunk, and at some point, we're outside of her apartment, and she's like upset. I'm upset too for some reason, and I don't know how we get there, but she like 
hugs me and I hug her back, but we're like fighting. And then she starts punching me. Like one hand's around my back and the other, she starts socking me in the chest. And she's like, you just don't get it. I love you. And I was like, I love you too. Um, so on the one hand, it was the worst date because it's like, she beat me up. And on the other hand, it turned out okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the kind of crying where like you're both puffy the next day. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people are like, are you sick? And you're like, no, we just had a big emotional fight. <laughs> no. no, there was so much fighting. I mean, that's the thing. It's like we were also in college, so it's not like we went on a ton of dates necessarily. We yeah, were also yeah. really close yeah. buddies for like the first semester. Yeah, we started as friends. We were friends we were... and we hung out a lot. And then we started dating second semester. And then we would, I don't know, like, I guess we'd go to the movies and we'd like, go to the bagel shop and get a bagel. Not a lot to do in Ithaca. Yeah. Mostly going to Hollywood yeah. Video and yeah. Wegmans. Like, <laughs> like, Hollywood Video. I yeah. know. Rest in rest peace. In exactly. Peace. exactly. Rest in peace. Back in the day, we had Hollywood yeah. Video. Yeah. To was... compete with Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. right. Of course. Yeah. We'd go in there just, and just I mean, hang out and, like, watch. We'd, like, watch the movie that the clerks were watching. Yeah, That's yeah. what Ian was talking about. We'd like, Ghostbusters. Awesome. Last episode, we were talking about, the, the experience of going in and yes. choosing a movie yes. is an experience like we've lost. Yes. Yeah. 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 God, I, I do was talking about that. record stores because even when I was <laughs> little, my parents used to my parents used to collect vinyl. Mm-hmm. So that's how I knew all the old music. So record stores for me would be like, as a kid, I would go in when I was Gus and Zoe's age, I would go into record stores. They'd take me in record stores and be like, come on, get this new vinyl. And I would look at the, you know, yeah. the covers of albums, which is so crazy for like a six-year-old or whatever, looking at this stuff. Then as I got older, I was like, oh, it's like a retro thing. Look, I was like, people don't really I was like well my parents have a record player you know what I mean like it was all weird so I have the same sort of nostalgia I feel like yeah. for record stores Absolutely. as I do for uh, video stores yeah. Yeah. Go to get a CC, do you have a, yeah. a, a worst date oh I got I got nine million but I don't know <laughs> I, um, I may um, uh, yeah so I'll, I've written about a bad date uh, which is actually in Not Without Our Laughter which is uh, it wasn't a date it was my husband and I Making a really bad Thanksgiving dinner, so that oh, yeah, poem yeah, I read a, that poem. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a pretty bad date because I felt yeah, yeah yeah because I felt I felt um, I, there was a lot of pressure on me because I felt like okay I'm in this new relationship and I want to make a good Thanksgiving dinner whatever a Thanksgiving dinner is. I mean I just had all these notions yeah. swirling around in my head that I wanted it to be a a lovely evening and it didn't go well. So there's that. Um, but then also I have a single. A uh, single, uh, very, very, very long ago, a uh, single bad date, uh, a story that I guess I, I guess I'll tell. Um, my, I had a fight with my boyfriend. I got very mad. We said f you to each other, and we both went our respective places. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna go out. I thought, you know what? Skip him. You know, I'm mad. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the town. I'm gonna have myself a good time. Mm-hmm. Well, um, fast forward. I did go out in the town. I had myself a great time. I got to party X with a friend of mine and and a guy who I was like, oh, I think you're cute. And the bartender was like, oh, I know your friend. She was like, and you know, Long Island iced teas on me. And so, oh. right, 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 right. Every, every, everyone here, the collective. Oh, Been there. Right. so you know, I'm having one, and, and by two, two, I'm feeling. I am feeling magical shall we say <laughs> you know what I mean feeling good by three or four or five <laughs> right exactly oh exactly so I'm just I'm just time home. traveling exactly <laughs> right but I didn't know and so long story short the guy that I thought was cute who I wasn't cheating on my boyfriend was like hey let's go get a bite to eat food will help you know, get rid of all the liquor. And so I was like, yeah. So there's this place in New York on this corner. It's called 7A. I don't think it's even still there. It's on the corner of 7th and A, uh, Avenue A. Anyway, we went there. There was a big diner. Everybody went there all the time. We went there, and I got into the diner, and 
I was, immediately went in the diner, smelled all the food, and I ran back out. And he's like, what's the matter? I was like, I feel sick, I feel sick, I feel sick, I feel sick, is what, is what I said. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. He was just like, and I was like, I need to stand out here and breathe some air, you know. He's like, well, let me go inside and get something to go. <laughs> and when he goes inside, he orders whatever to go. He comes back out. I've thrown up once on the, oh, on the concrete. Yeah. And then, so he's like, we got to get in the cab. We're just going to, I'm just going to drop you off, take you home. Cabbies so, love that. Yeah, cab, well, <laughs> right, and they do. Let me they do love that. Girl. And even better, here's, and here's the, the most degrading part, is as I'm driving, I feel like every stop, every stoplight, every time the cab mm. stops, oh. I feel yep. all the liquor slosh around yep. in my yep. stomach. Yep. And I'm like, I need to roll the windows down, I roll the windows down. <laughs> and I'm with person X who, like, I don't, I barely know this person, you know what I mean? And meanwhile, I'm just like, this was the, this was like the worst decision. I mean, of course, it all turned out fine. I mean, generally, I made it home. I was very sick the next day. I was sick the whole day. But it just goes to show that, like, sometimes, you know, CC, when you have a, a a fight with whoever, don't don't take the hard headed route. Don't don't just decide. <laughs> it's very classic me. When I'm in a bad mood, I wanna I wanna break things or throw things against. I'm very destructive when I'm when I'm really angry. You know what I mean? When I'm really at that height, it's not always smart to do because sometimes you end up. Destructing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Classic <laughs> Virgo. There it is. There it is. Uh, what's the What's the movie um, with there the anger thing with the the kids movie? Inside Out. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, you're like the anger guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't. I, I don't do. I don't do it much. But when I when I really when I really feel that way, I am. I'm like a possessed. Demon. I'm sitting here trying to positively reframe your story. I mean, like, well, maybe that man you didn't know who was taking care of you was a caretaker and didn't mind. Well, he ended up being a caretaker. He ended up being a caretaker, unbeknownst to him. Did you ever ever see him again? I did. I thanked him, and I was like, and I was like, I was like, but also, I had a really bad fight with my boyfriend, and I just want you to know that you're not, and you're not important. Like, (laughs) there was that. I mean, you have to be honest in that moment when you, when someone, you're leaning on someone for that kind of ridiculousness, which is when was when was this? This was um, this was this was a long time ago. This was she's not gonna date herself. Right. I'm just imagining this this guy's like either like old live journal post about this. Yeah. Right. Right, maybe maybe it's like he's, I went on the worst maybe date. he's seeing a therapist right now because of me. Could um, be. Well, you know, that's helping the economy. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. During the shutdown? No. Well, now it's post-shutdown. I'm saying if you see your love, therapist. I'm this just is how we're all thinking right now. It's like, <laughs> Make it is, it good, is it good Make for the economy? Can we spin it? <laughs> so we want to thank all four of our fantastic guests today. Terry Ellen Cross Davis, Hayes Davis, Nate Brown, and Thea Brown. Thank you all yeah, for thank being you for here. We had really so great time. Thank you guys so much. This is yeah, awesome. Yeah, in, in the love month, I guess. <laughs> Anthony's shaking his head. He hates it. He hates love. He I love says, love. I hate cliche. Okay, you hate cliche. <laughs> then, well, well I, I love cliche as long as it's not in the poem. How okay. you doing? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we want to thank everyone for being here. It was a great episode. And we want to thank Mason Jar Press for sponsoring us. As always, we're so grateful for them for hosting us. Yeah, make sure you follow them. Uh, check out the website masonjar.xyz um, you can also follow us yeah you should probably follow us at lit pop bang yeah. on twitter we're fantastic uh, <laughs> do all the liking stuff like us review us on like us, review your us, podcast platform share pictures yeah. don't say anything bad retweet us uh, <laughs> talking about us on the internet is always good for us we right. really appreciate that we love that so yeah thank you and as always coming to you from Charm City I'm Anthony and I'm Cece and this has been Lit Pop Bang, bang.